Hi everyone, Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries, Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us and he has a word for you today, we are sure of it. Take some time out to listen and we'll be back as soon as we're done. God bless you. Before we get into the word of God today, let's start with our confession. Ready, let's go. This is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every verse is God breathed and I aim to live by every word. It is essential to my faith foundation and works to change me from the inside out into the person God created me to be. That is why I shall never let it go. It is reliable, it is the truth, it is divine, it is the word of God, and shall forever be to me my Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to direct your attention to our very first image for today. I will also be extremely transparent with you. We spent five great days on vacation. We were unplugged. If you've never been unplugged, you've got to unplug sometime. Believe me, the emails will be there, the texts will be there. You will be able to catch up on all your favorite Facebook nonsense when you get back. Believe me, there'll still be some nonsense for you to get into when you get back. All the tweeting and all that, that ain't going away. It'll, be, it'll, it'll still be there. All the grams will be there for you. But what we're talking about today, I'm going to tell you surprised me. Because I spent five days jotting down things on the back of a piece of paper. I was unplugged. No, even like, I tried to put my digital all down. I was actually writing. I felt like I had that thing in a good spot to where when I got back, I would just step back into the flow and boom. And then Saturday morning, it all changed. I imagine all that stuff is going to be good for some time in the future. But there is something very specific that resonated in me and it flowed out so well I thought well God must be going in a different direction so what we're gonna do is we're gonna start off with this image and this image you've seen so often we don't have to put too much time in it we're on the re-engage category of our vision and that goal is for us to re-engage life and we're gonna re-engage life without all these fears just get her done. And we've been bookmarked on this woman with the issue of blood. And you probably say, Pastor, you know, we've talked about this woman a lot with this issue. And in talking about this woman with this issue, for sure, God can't possibly bring another message out of this short little narrative in the Bible. And you know that is a rhetorical statement and if we were to ask it in question form it would be a rhetorical question because the answer is evident of course God can God can take a word or two and teach you for months and months and months that's just how much life is in his word what we're going to talk about today, though, interestingly enough, we're going to still be focused on the account of this woman with the issue of blood, but the context of our message is going to hinge on just three words. 
Notice. We said that in the book of Matthew, that Matthew gives the account of this woman with the issue of blood in short form. Notice this image. Go to the next one, please. It all fits on one. Matthew chapter 9, verses 18 through 22 in the King James Version reads like this. While he, meaning Jesus, spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshiped and worship him, saying, My daughter is even now dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. And Jesus rose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And behold, a woman, which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years, came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned about... But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith has made thee whole, and the woman was made whole from that hour. Now, that is Matthew's account. But thank God, he also gave the account to Luke. And Luke wrote it differently, more expansive, and the way he wrote it, though, he introduced a few words that's going to send us on our way. Here's the one in Luke. Just the first part. The voice Bible, Luke chapter 8, verses 40 through 44. When Jesus and his disciples crossed the lake, another crowd was waiting to welcome him. A man made his way through the crowd. His name was Jairus, and he was a synagogue official. Like the man on the other side of the lake, this dignified man also fell at Jesus' feet, begging Jesus to come, begging Jesus to visit his home, where his only daughter, a, a girl of 12, lay dying. Jesus set out with Jairus. The crowd came along too, pressing hard against him. In the crowd was a woman. Amen. She had suffered from an incurable menstrual disorder for 12 years and had spent her livelihood on doctors with no effect. It had kept her miserable and ritually unclean, unable to participate fully in Jewish life. She followed Jesus until she could reach him. She touched the fringe of the robe Jesus wore, and at that moment, the bleeding stopped. Loved ones, God is going to teach us today from the subject in the crowd. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is life. And we never take it for granted, this opportunity to come and hear what you have to say. I pray that you give me your inner wisdom to speak life into each and every person and that everybody under the sound of my voice will get something out of the message today they can use and make their lives better. God, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but they will be able to use this word and make their lives better immediately. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Loved ones in the crowd was a woman. And we've talked 
over and over about how this woman being in the crowd must have had to overcome a lot of fears just to get her plan a-going. She was a social outcast. She had to get herself past getting her plan underway with people who would more than likely stop her if they could, if they had known. And she wisely kept her plan secret. But the secrecy of her plan is not what we're talking about today. Admittedly, her secrecy was a good idea. She was able to get to the place where she wanted to be. But there is another pivotal decision that she made that we want to discuss. This woman made the decision to get in the crowd. Knowing how the crowd was, she made the decision anyway to get in the crowd. Knowing how the crowd would likely view her if they knew she was in the crowd, she made the decision to get in the crowd. Knowing that the crowd knew her history, she made the decision to get in the crowd. And she didn't just make the decision to get into any crowd because she could have got into a lot of crowds. Notice verse 40. Verse 40 tells us that whenever Jesus got from wherever he was before, it was another crowd waiting for him. There are crowds everywhere. You can find any crowd to get in. But this woman did not choose any crowd. She chose to get in the crowd of people who had gathered to catch a glimpse of Jesus. A crowd that, that was gathered around the king of kings. Yes. My God. How many believers make the decision to get in the crowd? More specifically, do you make the decision to get in the crowd? And your answer may be, of course I do, Pastor, to which I'm going to say, really? <laughs> Notice this next image. Do you really choose to be in the crowd? Do you really choose to be in the crowd of people who are gathered to hear from God? Do you really choose to be in the crowd of people who elect to gather in pursuit of Christ? Do you really? Because let me ask you, how many times do you choose to skip church? How many times do you choose to not be in the crowd? Where does going to church fit in your checklist of items? Is it second? Is it third? Is it fourth? Is it farther down the list? I mean, where does it fit? fit? Is it behind getting your sleep? Is it behind spending more time in the bed with him or her? Is it behind that sports team? Where does 
gathering among people who are seeking Christ, where does it fit on your checklist? Do you really make the choice to get in the crowd? Does it fit somewhere behind the love of money? Where does it fit? Do you really make the decision to be in the crowd? Let me tell you, loved ones, you should because there are benefits. There are benefits there. When you are in the crowd, there are real benefits to be had there. But you have to choose to be in the crowd. The answers, the solutions to this woman's issue she found in the crowd. Likewise, you can find your answer in the crowd if you choose to be in the crowd. But that's not, that's not where many of us choose to be. Not that you don't make a cameo. But on the checklist of items, you do not always choose to be in the crowd. No, you don't. What, what is the more common case is in lieu of electing to be in the crowd, you make the decision to be out of the crowd and not be in the crowd and then turn around and ask somebody who was in the crowd to help you with your issue. And it, if we were to just indulge me for a second to, to have a little narrative with you, <clears throat> the narrative goes something like this. So, um, it can be male or female. I'm not using any particular voice. So, so what did Pastor talk about today? I thought about being there. But you know, my bed was feeling mighty good this morning. And just for a little side conversation, we're talking about the bed that God blessed you to have. Just, just, to, just to make sure we put it in context, we're talking about the bed that God gave you the finances to buy. Just want to make sure that you're talking about the specific thing that's keeping you from him. That bed that God blessed you to have. Oh, by the way, in that house that he blessed you with, that bed is what's keeping you. So it's, it's the bed that God gave you. Are you going Adam on God? Here, here is, here is, here's what you're saying. So, t t child, I, I was thinking about coming to church today, but, you know, that bed was feeling pretty good to me. The, the, the bed that God gave you from when you used to be sleeping in your car and didn't even have a bed. So it's, it's God's fault. 
It's, it's God's fault, is what you said. So tell me what did what did you know what did Pastor talk about today? And, and you know, I I, I really I could have got there, but you know, nine o'clock, that's kind of early. Another sidebar for the for for for, for clarity. You're talking about nine o'clock, which is one hour later than you check in at your job. That, that's what you're talking about. That, 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 that is the problem that you're talking about. Oh, you, oh nine o'clock. Oh, you're talking about, let's think about this. That is three hours later than you usually hitch up the boat to your truck to get out there in the morning to catch the fish. Because, you know, the good fishing happened before the sun come up. So let me make sure I understand what you mean when you say nine o'clock is a little too, oh, nine o'clock, let's see, let's see, nine o'clock, oh, nine o'clock, you mean that nine o'clock that you get there to your girl house before she go to work to get that quickie on, that, oh, it's that nine o'clock that we talking about, you, 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 it, it, it's, 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 it's the nine o'clock that's the problem, oh, well, is it just a problem when it comes to God? Nine, nine o'clock. Let me see. Nine o'clock. There, there, there are some places that you get to because if you don't get there by nine o'clock, they run out of the specific coffee mix that you like with the caramel and the foam because that one go quicker. So you got to get there by 730 because if you get there at nine o'clock, it's probably going to be all sold out. But you don't care if anything about God at nine o'clock goes on because, well, you know what you can do? You can just ask somebody else who was in the crowd what God said. So tell me, here, 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 here we, we're asking the question, do you really choose to be in the crowd? Because when I think about the question and the narrative is, so what did, what did Pastor talk about today? I really, I thought about, I, I thought about, you know, coming to church, but you know. My bed was feeling just too good. You know, it, nine o'clock's a little too early. And then you got the nerve to try to elicit support from the very person that you're asking. Ain't that right? You know what I mean? <laughs> Trying to get them to say like, yeah, I know what you mean. Dragging them out of church. <clears throat> so let me ask you, where, where does it list, where does it rank? On your, on your checklist because you go through all of these reasons as to why you couldn't be present in the crowd and you're asking question after question of somebody else who was in the crowd and get this, you go over and over and over a laundry list of reasons why you couldn't be there and then in the very next group of breaths got the nerve to begin asking for answers and solutions and wisdom that God dispensed over the crowd that you were absent from. You should, your bottom line is you should have been in the crowd. In the crowd is where the action is. Not just any old crowd. In a crowd where people are gathered in pursuit of Christ, there is something, loved ones, that God wants us to stop doing. Here's your image. Stop being absent from the crowd. 
I want you to, if you have no fear of doing so, look that person next to you in the eye. Look them in the eye and tell them, stop being absent from the crowd. Stop being from the now, from every and to everybody who's going to hear this on audio, we're going to tell them that together. As my, as my daughter would say, say it from your chest so the people in the back can hear you. On three, we're going to say that to, so, so on three, one, two, three, stop being absent from the crowd. That's right. This woman made the decision to get into the crowd, and that was pivotal for her. In addition to that, there is something else that we're going to stop saying. We need to stop. We need to stop it. Saying and appeasing ourselves, our hearts, our minds, our emotions, we need to stop saying to people that we run into that I'll be there next week. I'll be there next time. I'm coming soon. You know what that is? That's a weak excuse wrapped up in a false confession. You don't bit more mean that than anything. The bottom line is, if you are not in the crowd, get in the crowd. And if you are a person that considers themselves to be in the crowd, You can't be in the crowd one week and gone for two. You can't be in the crowd for, you know, one month and gone for five. Why are you in the crowd, you know, August, and then we see you again in February? If you're going to be in the crowd, be consistent. Consistency is important, loved ones. It's not, a, it's not a game of spiritual double dutch. It's, 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 not, a, it's not an in and, in and out type of thing. It's important that you be consistent. A quick moment about how important it is. Look at this. Now, we're going to freeze right here for a second. You've already seen this in the voice version of the Bible. This is Luke's account, but only verse 43. In the crowd was a woman. She had suffered from an incurable, incurable menstrual disorder for 12 years and had spent her livelihood on doctors with no effect. It had kept her miserable and ritually unclean, unable to participate fully in Jewish life. Now, when you look at that, you say, Pastor, yeah, we've already read that before. And doggone it, you just highlight the same words. What are you getting at? I'm glad you asked me all that stuff. 
I want you to focus on Luke's introduction to verse 43, just those three words. This is the voice version of the Bible. We get our extra sweetener, the same verse, the same author, different version. It just adds two words. Notice. The Message Bible doesn't just be begin, it doesn't just say, in the crowd there was a woman. It says, in the crowd that day. Family, it's something special about being in the crowd that day. Being in the crowd the day God speaks in a way that speaks to you. It's something about being in the crowd that day. The day that God speaks specifically to your situation. It's something about being in the crowd that day. The, the way that the, the day that God talks in a manner that gives the solution to your issue. Being in the crowd that day. The day that God speaks to your spirit. The, gate, the day that God says something that moves your heart to be better. The day God speaks in a manner that only you can understand. When you're in and out. When you're not consistent. When you don't make the decision to be in the crowd and make that part of your everyday ordinary walking around life. You mess around and you get in on day A, get out on day D, and day D, God speaks to your issue. And there you go asking somebody who was in the crowd to help you with your issue. And blaming God because, God, I ain't heard from you. It's not that he wasn't talking or speaking. You wasn't there. It's something special about commitment to being in the crowd. You want to be present on that day. And ain't nobody talking about just being in the crowd to take up space. You can be anywhere and take up space. If you're going to be in the crowd, what you want to do is make sure that you're in the crowd purposefully. Notice this next image. There are a lot of people in the crowd. And we can all admit, or we should all be able to admit, that in the crowd, you could have people that are there for, with good motives and people that are there with not so good motives. You can have people there doing what we would expect them that they should be doing, and you could also have people in the crowd that are just there for generic social reasons and just, just flat out wrong motives. 
And Jesus kind of gives us a little tidbit on that concerning crowds that just follow him. In John chapter 6, verse 2 and verses 24 through 27 in the voice, Jesus says this. Well, the first one is a narrative, then Jesus talks in the, in the next group. Verse 2, as Jesus walked, a large crowd pursued him, hoping to see new signs and miracles. His healings of the sick and lame were garnering great attention. Jump down to verse 24. When this crowd could not find him or his disciples, they boarded their small boats and crossed the sea to Capernaum looking for him. When they found Jesus across the sea, they questioned him. The crowd said, teacher, when did you arrive at Capernaum? I said that right, right? Capernaum, yeah. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. You are tracking me down because I fed you. Not because you saw signs from God. In other words, there are people that gather around Jesus just for the lights and the flash. For the status and the hype. Because everybody else is there. They're not really there seeking what only God can give. They're there because that is the popular thing to do. They want to see Jesus do a trick or two. They're there for the excitement. Some people definitely have wrong motives. But as for you, when you decide to be in the crowd, you need to be in the crowd because you are genuinely in pursuit of Christ. You're not just in the crowd because that's the popular place to be. You're not just in the crowd because that's what everybody else is doing. You're in the crowd because God has said something to you and spoken to your heart and moved in your spirit. And that's got you in the crowd. In addition to that, go to my next one. If you're going to be in the crowd, doggone it, get in the crowd. Stop being a passive crowd participant. Mark, he has this Amplified Classic, chapter 5. Verse 24, same account. And Jesus, and, and Jesus went with him. He's going with Jairus. And a great, a great crowd kept following him and pressed him from all sides so as almost to suffocate him. A mob pursuing to be where he is. So in order for this woman to get her plan to be successful in order for her to get what she wanted out of the situation of Christ, she had to be just as aggressive as everybody else. She had to be willing to press to get the answer to her issue. When you're in the crowd, don't be concerned about everybody else around you. You be focused on pressing the kingdom to get the solution to your issue. Don't be a pansy with it. Press. Yeah. 
Press the kingdom. Press the Holy Spirit to be your comforter. Press him to be your advocate. Press him to be your intercessor. Press the kingdom for what's promised to you as a child of the king. Get in the, get in the crowd and press. Stop sitting on the sideline in the crowd and just letting your issue pressure you. Pressure your issue back. You're dealing with a health situation. Pressure it back. Everything you can do physically, do it. Everything you can do spiritually, do it. You got to press your issue. Don't let your issue press you. Get in the crowd and press. What does God have for me? What does God want for me? What does God want me to say? What does God want me to do? Don't sit back and wait for God to come to you. Press to him. The Bible says, if you draw nearer to him, he'll draw nearer to you. We know God is omnipresent. He's already there at the door knocking. It just means he is already as close as you want him to be. When you pursue him, the more you pursue him, the more you press towards him, the more he's willing to flow your way. The more wisdom he wants to give you, the more insight he wants to give you. If you're going to be in the crowd, loved ones, press. Don't just sit back with your hands folded. We've already said waiting is not sedentary. Waiting is about what you are doing and what you are saying while you are resting in God's timing. God's moving and working for you. And guess what? You're still moving and working, too. You got to press. And here we want to make another point. Not that we haven't made a lot of them. But another point. And this point is very specific to those of us who I could say are designated as those who typically can be found in the crowd. Not people who can't be found in the crowd, but frequently for those of us who can be found in the crowd. We need to do something. We need to change our view of those individuals or those people that we consider to be on the outskirts of the crowd, to be on the edge of the crowd. Keep in mind, they're in the crowd because you can see them. But they're not in the dense portion of the crowd. They're just kind of on the outskirts of the crowd. Ah, There's not going to be an easy way to say this. But we're all mature. So 
I'm going to ask you to reflect. For, for those of you who have followed the series, and for those of you who have, who have not, this you, you will pick up quickly because we'll give enough information. But I want you to reflect right now on everything we've talked about concerning this woman with this issue. Think back through the narrative. What happened was, she said to herself, I got this issue. And in having this issue, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get as close to Jesus as I can. She don't want to hug him. She said, I believe that if I just touch the edge of his robe, I'll be made whole. And she did that. She touched the edge of his robe. And Jesus responded by saying, who touched me? Every version we read is clear. She didn't touch him. She touched his robe. And then we concluded something, this image. Next one, please. We concluded, you've seen this before, if you genuinely put forth the effort to reach for Jesus and fall short, your faith will still touch him. We're talking about the people on the outskirts now. The faith bridges the gap. If you're reaching for Jesus with all your heart and it's genuine, but you, you, you fall short from all natural purposes, from a natural point of view, your faith still reach him. And when her faith reached him, it got his attention. And when it got his attention, hey, that tells us something. And it brings us to a very blunt point. Because there are people who are on the outskirts that we, frequent crowd believers, are misjudging. Let's hit you with the blunt point. I want you to read this with me. Ready? Go. In church, the distance from the stage does not limit one's ability to reach for Christ. Where am I going with this? Because we're talking about being in the crowd and even more narrowly getting ourselves in church, the place where people are gathered in pursuit of Christ, are gathered to hear from God. And then we have people that may come in and they sit in the grove. And for us more mature saints, we look at that person in the back row or that person that elects to sit in the back corner of that balcony and we conclude that they are not quite right with God, so that's why they want to sit 
back there. And guess what? That might be right. But that doesn't mean that from where they sit in the back corner, they cannot still sit there and reach for Christ. That does not mean that that person cannot be several aisles back away from everybody else and still be there reaching for Christ. That is why you can be in a congregation of thousands of people, everything silent, then all of a sudden, somebody way in the back corner, far beyond the lights, doggone in the shadows, you can't even see their face, somebody say, hallelujah. That's why you can be in a silent auditorium full of people and then somebody way off in the side, thank you, Jesus. Amen to that. God is so good. Come through, Jesus. Why do you hear that? You hear that because during the service, something was said that sparked emotion in their spirit. And because they were there in the crowd, genuinely, they reached for Jesus. And from way back there, their reach fell naturally short, but their faith kept moving. And their faith touched Jesus, and Jesus, doggone it, it got his attention. And when it got his attention, he responded. And when he responded, doggone it, their spirit jumped for joy because they got the answer to their issue. So, hallelujah is what they said. Thank you, God, is what they said. God is moving in their life from way back there from the stage to the rear. Why? Because from the back row, that person can still reach for Christ. <clears throat> and so they shout. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Amen. Tears running down their face. That's from the back row. Ain't nobody on the front row said nothing. You got, you got no hallelujah from there. You may, you may get some jokes. You may get side conversation. But you're not getting anyone who's locked in. You, 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 didn't, you didn't hear that hallelujah from the front row. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You heard it from the person who's got an issue, who's wanting God to help them out, who was there in the crowd when God spoke to them and their faith reached them. You didn't get that shout from the front row. You want to know why? Because the front row has become a country club of people that want to attend church, but they are they aren't reachers. That's the that's the that's the front row. The people that want to be closest to the pastor. There are people who they're comfortable and content with just seeing Jesus, but they don't really want to reach for him. 
but we talk about the person in the back row that's really reaching. Maybe, maybe those rows closest, closest to the stage, maybe those rows have just become places for people who sit and hear the truth but want to still live a lie. Yeah, you, you, you think that that person way back there and way up there, wherever they are, that, oh, they're sitting way back there for sure. That person right there has an issue, but they're, oh, they might have an issue. By the way, you got an issue too. They might have a, they might have an issue, but they're reaching. And, and you look at the people who are sitting in the front row and they're there with the lights and the smoke and everything. And you're thinking, oh, they, they're there because they got something special going on. When the people in the front row are probably the people that are fathers from God. That person that's sitting in the back is closest to God than the person who's close enough on the, closest to the stage to put their foot on it. It don't it don't it don't matter to God where you sit in church. He wants your heart to be present. He wants you reaching for him. What are you doing while you in the crowd? Are you pressing or are you primping? Are you are you are you throwing your heart at him or are you just twisting around? Are you there to truly be spiritual or you just want to spin and act? What are you there for? You got to be there to press. And where you sit in church does not determine whether or not you can reach God, whether or not your heart is pure. You can be you can be given the message and be jacked up. God is not the God of the front row. <laughs> you jockey to get in the front. You jockey to get your life right. That's what you do. I don't care where you sit. Get your junk together. <laughs> the, the objective to coming is to be gathered with people who are in pursuit of Christ. You want to be in the crowd, but you want to be in the crowd the right way. And for those of us who are in the crowd frequently, we tend to look at people who don't sit as close to the stage as we do, as we frankly we misjudge them often and remember this woman with the issue of blood or this woman with this issue to keep it generic this woman with this issue she had a good reason to be skittish in the crowd she knew what they would say about her she, she knew what would happen if they discovered that she was lurking around in public when she should have been a social outcast, you cast, we know, with that whole bleeding issue. Perhaps saved one. That person sits in the back because they know 
how you are. This woman was a little skittish in the crowd because she already knew from social experience how the crowd would react to her. Maybe that person don't want to sit up around you because they know from social experience how you would think about them. They sit in the, they sit in the back row because they know how you talk about them. They know how you talk about their lifestyle. They know how you talk about their children. They know how you talk about what they wear. They know how you talk about their issue. They know how you look down on them. They know what you say because they've been around people like you long enough that they don't have to get the memo. They've heard it before. So the sitting in the back may have less to do about seeking God and more to do with not wanting to be close to you. Your role, frequent attendee, is to first acknowledge what well, at least they in the crowd. At least that young person's in the crowd. At least that young family's in the crowd. At least that brother's in the crowd. At least that sister's in the crowd. At least I remember what they used to do. Oh, they're, listen, they're back in the crowd. They used to be in the crowd. Somebody did them wrong. They left the crowd, but now they've made their way back because somehow God has touched their heart to say, don't let the way that, that, that donkey behind did you cast a net on everything God. That was not a reflection of God. That was somebody masking as a child of God that was really an agent of the enemy. And now they've worked their way back in the crowd. But they remember the last time they were in the crowd, what happened to them. So they're a little skittish. But you, as, the, as a seasoned believer, be thankful that you can see them back in the crowd. You say the wrong thing at the wrong time, and that person who's on there, remember, they're on the outskirts. They're in the crowd. But they're close to not being in the crowd. And we don't want them to make the decision to leave the crowd because you say something you shouldn't, because you do something you shouldn't, because you treat them in a way you shouldn't. Just acknowledge they're in the crowd. And then your part, after acknowledgement, is simply to allow the love of God to work through you in a manner that they want to be no longer on the outskirts, but in the press. They want to move from the outside of the crowd to the inside of the crowd. Then they're spiritual pursuit of Christ begins to match their physical pursuit of Christ and then we're off and running. In the crowd, this whole thing about church and who sits where and 
who has what title. And let's let's start with us all being disciples of Christ. If we do that, I think we will be very well. Because when you're a disciple of Christ, you give yourself up to him as a living sacrifice. And when you give yourself to him as a living sacrifice, whatever he asks you to do, you are a willing vessel to do that. So if he asks you you to preach, you will preach. If he asks you to sweep, you will sweep. If he asks you to clean, you will clean. If he says youth ministry, you will go teach the youth. If he says usher, you will ush. I don't know if that's a verb, but you will ush. If, if, If you are just a disciple living by his spirit, when he tells you to give, you will give. When he tells you to go, you will go. When he tells you to stay away, you will stay away. When he tells you to help, you will help. You got to just doggone it, be a disciple, lose the titles, forget about where you sit, and just be willing to serve God. Just get in the crowd. If you get in the crowd and everyone can get spirit led our, 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 our job from that standpoint is virtually done then it's just a matter of hearing and doing hearing and doing and remember benefits from being in the crowd not just spiritual benefits but being with people of like-minded faith. I'm talking about real people now. I ain't talking about puppet people and fake and phony people. I'm talking about people that are genuine, people that's going to be the same people whether whether the pastor's there or not. The same people. Genuine people. But it's all about being in the crowd. Overall clarifications, though. Give me this image. Before I let you go, we need to clarify something. Because I'm going to tell you, there are things that I said and things I didn't say. There are things that I maybe implied and there are things I didn't. There are things that I'm promoting and something I'm not. Here we go. When I mentioned a person needing to be in the crowd, family, I am not saying or am I implying that one must or can only meet Jesus in the building society calls the church. I'm not saying that. I'm saying being in a gathering of people in pursuit of Christ is something as a believer you should be doing consistently. And if your gathering place 
that you called your home, your church, is one such place, then you should be consistent in being here. So I'm not saying or implying that one must or can only meet Jesus in the building society calls the church. I am not saying or implying that you should not share the message you hear in church with other people. I'm not saying that if somebody asks you, you know, what, 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 it, what it is that, that that pastor talked about that you should say you should have been there. That's not what I'm saying. I didn't say that. But let me, let me, let me give you something that's just as blunt as the other point we made. I want you to really hear carefully what people ask when they ask that question. Because what they ask is, so, so what, did, what did pastor talk about today? And you say, that just, it sounds like a regular question. I want you to think about it. They don't ask, what did God say today? They don't ask, what did God speak through your man or woman of God today? They don't ask, what was the life-giving word that you heard today? They ask, what did pastor talk about today? You see, subconsciously, they have reduced or downgraded their pastor's word to just a talk. They, they, are, they don't realize it, but they're no longer pressing within the crowd. They might still be in the crowd when they elect to be in the crowd, but that's telegraphing that at one point in time, it was viewed as a word from God through a person, but from God to me. To after it's gone down on the checklist, Underneath whatever, now it's just a talk. So I am not saying or implying that you should not share the message with others. I'm not saying that. That is in regard to individuals who are purposefully and willfully absent when they do not have to be and they feel as if they can just pull on God just at will, be in or out, and God is asking them to put their pursuit of him in check. That's what that's about. Also, for clarity, I talked about a person sitting in the back row. I am not promoting back row sitting. I know you got to laugh at it, but here's, listen, we, we talk straight here. I don't want anybody to now say to themselves, well, I'm going to sit in the back row 
And then when the usher come and ask you to move, you tell them, well, Pastor, I can sit in the back row. Leave me alone. I'm not promoting that. I'm not promoting back row sitting. Some people, they sit in the back row because they are making their way back to the crowd. That's the group that we talked about. Other people sit in the back row because if pastor talk too long, they can get out easier. <laughs> Other people sit in the back row because they came to church already making an appointment with something else or with somebody else. And in case it least it, if it keeps them from making that other appointment to do whatever they want to do, they want to be able to leave. That's a totally different scenario. For clarity, I am not promoting back row sitting. So no popping off at the ushers when they ask you to move. Also for clarity, I am not speaking this message as a strategy to fill every row. You are here. And you need to be mature enough to know that you don't leave here, put your finger in somebody's face, and say, Pastor, say you need to have your behind in church. <laughs> that's, 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 a, that, that's a real gatherer for the kingdom. <laughs> if you if, if, if you be 30% in person, the Bible that you read, that will draw them. That's right. The point is, you're here. You've heard it. You've heard what God had to say so that you need to be ones that promote the gathering. I did not say, call up the very next person that you remember sitting next to and tell them and give them a tongue lashing. We, we, I have learned in my life, let's for, 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 for a second, let's put church aside. I have learned in any business endeavor, any job, any friendship, that if you have to make somebody come, it is not what you want. If you have to make somebody be your friend, that is not the friend you want. If you try to force a relationship, you putting yourself in harm's way. You're putting yourself in harm's way. I always taught my children, you pursue people who are willing to also pursue the like relationship with you. Because that'll happen. They want to be friends with somebody. And the person obviously don't want to be friends with them. And it's a hard lesson for them. But when they get it, they can look at somebody that don't want to have no, nothing to do with them and say, deuces. Because I can promise you, 
For every person that wants nothing to do with you, God's got a two or three more that'll treat you like you're supposed to be treated. Don't be treated like junk because you want to be with somebody who don't want to be with you. So bringing it back to church, we really do not want people who are forced to sit here. That's just going to be, if, in case you have never, you know, dragging dead weight. If you've never had to, to drag somebody to do something, that's tiring. It wears you out to the point to where when God really wants you to do something, you ain't got no more energy because you've been dealing with this fool the whole time. So there are things that I said. There are things that I'm not saying, that I'm not implying, that I'm not prompting you to do. So, do not go around misapplying or misquoting the message. Don't do it. What you are to do is we always start with the mirror at ourselves. How am I in the crowd? How am I functioning in the crowd? How am I treating other people in the crowd? How am I viewing the people that are on the outskirts of the crowd, but in the crowd? Am I, am I running them out the door, or am I draw, draw, drawing them in? If you spend time on you first, then, Worry about somebody else. And Jesus said it like this, before you come trying to get a little speck of dust out your neighbor's eye, get that beam of timber out your own eye, and then you can clearly see how to get the speck out your, your neighbor's eye. Some of us go and be dealing with people. We walking, we, we walking around knocking stuff off the counter because we got this, and everybody can see you got a beam in your own eye. But you talking about everybody else. Back to the country. Sweep around your own front door first before you bring your little broom and start sweeping around mine, right? Family, that's the word of God for you today. In the crowd. In the crowd. Let's pray. God, I thank you for each and every person here. Lord, it is our sincere prayer that everybody gets the bottom line. The bottom line is that there, there are real spiritual and natural benefits that are available to those who genuinely pursue being in the crowd and the time has come for them to just choose choose to be in the crowd not jockey for a seat not jockey for a position just be in the crowd not be in the position where they hear all this truth but keep living a lie God just be in the crowd be in the crowd and genuinely want to be a disciple of Christ. 
genuinely want to display the love of God, genuinely want to see other people's lives change, genuinely want to see their own life change, be, be aggressive enough to press the kingdom for the solution to their issue. God, just be in the crowd. God wants a group of people that just want to be in the crowd. Not in the crowd with wrong motives. Pure motives. Just be in the crowd to seek his face, to hear his voice, to feel the spirit. Just be in the crowd. There are so many benefits to truly being in the crowd. Not just any crowd, God. The crowd that is in pursuit of Christ. The crowd, God, that you, oh, thank you, God. The crowd that you have asked us to be in. Because there are many crowds. But we want to be where you called us to be. And once we know where you have called us, God, help us not to be absent without cause. We want to be here on the day in the crowd that you speak something that's just life-changing to us. Something that puts us on the right track. Something that puts us on the right road. Something that brings us back closer to you. In the crowd, God. Our prayer is that you find each and every one of us there where you expect us to be. Pushing the kingdom forward, even if it's one life at a time. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, that's what God had to say to us today. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the word of God blesses you, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now. But we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.